Here is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. But this box can hide a secret inside. Can you guess what is in it today? Hi, hi, campers. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the University of British Columbia on the unceded Musqueam Territory. 101.9 FM, CITR.ca online, and on the Monday, you can get the podcast. What more could you want? I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And if you're listening to this show on the podcast, this is episode 204. And wow, what a... Busy and hot weekend it has been. For real. Lots of games to take in locally, lots of games to watch online, on your TV. Whitecaps busy in all forms from under 16, under 18, USL, MLS, you name it, the Whitecaps were playing this weekend. Little bit of a mixed set of results, to say the least, and we're going to cover all of that stuff in the show tonight. Also going to bring you an interview with Andrew Jacobson and... I like the song in Wavelength this this week. I'm not sure how many other folk will, but I really like it. Is there a week where you don't like the song in Wavelength? Probably not yet, but once I start running out of my own songs, there's a good chance that, that there might be. Well, you did let Steve do it once or twice. Yeah, but that was okay. I didn't mind Steve's selections. I have yet to get approval for... You wanted ones in German. It wasn't really yeah. going to work very well. Genau. Mm. But let's kick things off with a, a look at Minnesota United and the Vancouver Whitecaps in MLS action. Well, roller coaster of a game. Caps 2 0 up at half time, despite hardly possessing the ball at all. Then you've got a fight back from Minnesota, and then neither team really looking to win it. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit through the game, but just overall thoughts on the match, Zach. It was one of those nights where, yeah, was it two points dropped or was it a valuable away point gain? And I think <laughs> I think you can see it from either way. Yeah, the stats, obviously, as you mentioned, <laughs> a number of the stats were not really, really positive, both for the, the team as a whole, the squad as a whole, and, and individual players. Um, I think, uh, you know, hopefully when, when things uh, are all said and done at the end of the year, we look back at it as a, as a positive point gained. But um, yeah, at halftime you'd you'd be disappointed not to to get out of Minnesota with with all three. What did you think about it, Steve? I thought uh, I don't I don't think it was all doom and gloom like um, especially Michael's headline had in the um, 
the thing. That, that was you, a play you, on the Minnesota supporters group, the Dark Clouds. Oh, okay, that makes sense then. I didn't catch that at all. <laughs> I haven't been following Minnesota at all, believe it or not. Uh, they're not really high on the radar. Oh, they um, should be. Why? <laughs> uh, but um, I, I thought it was a, a decent game, considering if you look at all the um, all the missing people, all the missing pieces. You can't you you can't expect. Look, look the, the, this Minnesota team beat. They're not an everyday expansion team. I know they started out like that. Um, until they got the uh, defense sorted out. Yeah, 18 goals conceded in their first four matches. Yeah, and then after that, they've been pretty solid, and um, they beat a, a pretty, I think, full-strength Portland team, or close to it. It was a strong maybe. attacking thing. Yeah. Um, Maris Rovd, um, yeah. or Maris Rovd, because I keep pronouncing his name wrong, I, I thought it was Rovd, but it's Rovd. Maris told us on our, our midweek podcast that he kind of felt that they were just going all-out attack and kind of taking for granted the fact that they have to defend as well, not thinking that Minnesota were going to do anything and they got caught out. Well, yeah. the, big, the biggest thing, one of the, one of the biggest things I think when you look at kind of how they've progressed this year is in, in their personnel. There are some players they brought in that brought in to play key roles that were awful, that were really bad, and that are no longer playing. Playing this, yeah. that, that Demonoff guy, for example. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of changes as well over the summer. That's one of the teams that, that's going to do big. But and and I think they maybe maybe they did a smart thing. Atlanta put all their money in uh, to, uh, right off the bat, and I don't think they they can make any changes really. Probably um, no. Although I'll, you don't know how deep the, their owners' pockets are. Oh, they're is, deep. They're deep pockets. But uh, you, the, he's also a smart businessman. He's not going to go totally overboard either. The first year, I'm, Minnesota has room and, and capability yeah. to do stuff. I imagine it's all about them attracting players over there. So let's have a little look through the game. Started off, Whitecaps didn't do too bad to start with, and then they they took the lead. Uh, a nice move from Brickshay to. Pounce on the on the horrible back pass from Venegas. Well, well I, I say back pass. It was a pass to someone. Well, but it was all started from the the efforts of uh, Alfonso Davies, where he he was he took on two defenders and I believe megged one of them. Still sixteen I, yeah. as well. But he did lose the ball. He did, yeah, he lost the ball, but it was his kind of. I think Venegas should get the assist on it. It was his willing. <laughs> it was his willingness to to. Try things that others wouldn't, won't True. try. I mean, Davis did third. look good. And we'll, we'll talk about the change of formation stuff after we kind of run through the, the goals and the, how the game played out and stuff. But Shea then was in on goal. Shuttleworth came out. Shea tried to go round him. Shuttleworth just took a swipe yeah. at the ball. So, <laughs> question for you right off the bat. Yeah. Should Shuttleworth have stayed on the pitch? Now, yes, there's a new rule that if you bring a player down in the box but you've played the ball, then it's just a yellow card. And if you saw the Seattle-Portland game tonight, Brad Evans took down the, the Portland player and it, he was sent off, gave away the penalty, he was sent off, swiped the, the legs away, didn't go for the ball, gave away the penalty and got a red card. And for me, it wasn't that much difference as to what Shuttleworth had done. Because yeah, he, really, he, he tried to play the ball, but he didn't play the ball at all, Shuttleworth. But just for the record, I'm of the opinion that it, it's always fair to send off Brad Evans. Just, yeah. yeah. I mean... I just want us to sign Brad Evans just <laughs> because of his tweet earlier in the year. It would just make me so happy. That'll but, be one of those things we can agree to disagree yeah. on. Sign him, but not play him. Like, just keep him on the bench. No, just, no, no. And don't even invite him to the training facility. Either. Yeah. He trains oh, on his own. You so. don't need that stench <laughs> on the bench. Oh, I, I, I always need that stench. But yeah, penalty for the Caps. Up crept, up crept Christian Teixeira. Not an easy thing to say at this time of night. And 
it was a puzzle. Who was going to take it? I thought they might actually have changed it again and maybe let Shay take it. But Teixeira stepped up, slotted home perfectly. I'm guessing he's our penalty taker now going forward. Did you? The, the, one of the things I noticed when I was watching the replay is, of course, Minnesota is sponsored by Target. Mm-hmm. And when you if you watch the replay, Target has ads behind the net. And it was almost like his shot was like going to hit one of the Target logos. <laughs> lo- 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 I never lo- noticed that. It might be a good thing for penalty kickers. That yeah. Gives you, you someone to aim at. He went low to, to his left. And Shuttleworth, I think, went the other way, right? Yeah. As much as he could. <laughs> Slotted at home. 1-0. Nearly 2-0 just a couple of minutes later. Jordan Harvey having a great oh. chance with a sublime little back heel flick on My Montero. by Montero. Yeah. yeah, it was gorgeous. Uh, well, Shuttleworth came up big on that one. Uh, made a great save. Uh, I, You hope that Harvey would uh, do a little bit better, but there's nothing really much you can do when... Um, he's got a fullback going up into the box, but it was a great. You run. have to give Shuttleworth credit as yeah. well. That was a, it was a good stop by him. I, I thought, I thought Jordan Harvey had a really good game. Uh, I know he missed that chance, and I know, yeah. I know he's culpable in our in our first goal. Yeah, I'm gonna. But yeah, he, uh, if you if you go I'm back, agree with that. He, he I had, was speaking to someone tonight who was slating him, so he was off the complete opposite oh. opinion. Feels that he needs rested. Oh, okay. That, that I'm not. Yeah, he's played most of our games. He's played all our games other than the Voyager's Cup that I can recall. Yeah. So that's that's a fair opinion. But I felt like defensively, he had a number of huge defensive clearances. He put like one one of our best crosses of the night into the box in the second half later. That uh, yeah, that was a Bernie, beautiful, yeah, beautiful cross. I think it was, the, it was the best service we had from open play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we'll, I guess we'll talk to the goal about the goal when we get to. But he was at least I think partially <laughs> partially at fault in that. But yeah, well. 1-0 Caps, or Orlando. I keep wanting to say Orlando just because of Adrian Heath. I don't know what it is. But anyway, Minnesota then had a, a chance to get back level. Molino was played in. looked like it was offside. The replay seemed to show it was onside and then just kicked the ball just past the right post. So I let off there for the Caps. It was essentially the rest of the half was the Minnesota trying to get back in it because I, I didn't well, feel like... Well, looking at the possession, yeah. the whole half was Minnesota, so... Yeah, it was it was it was, it was slanted one way. Definitely the pitch on that. Uh, I that think at halftime it was twenty three possession, twenty three percent possession to seventy seven. Yeah, yeah, that's that, what it was. That's incredible to give yeah. up that amount of possession, but it's what you do with it. But yeah, exactly. And they in just before the half they got uh, the second goal and yes. another uh, created and again initially by Alfonso Davies. Yeah. Wow. Brutal tackle on him as, as he ran through there. Did, uh, I, like, I felt like that could have been a sending off. Yeah, I actually... I think that was worse than the Shuttleworth thing. Yeah. It, it's... And, some, he's, and he's a minor too, but, so you don't want to... Uh, it should have come but, Shuttle, but Shuttleworth was denying a goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah. I understand that, but he was playing the ball. The, you could the, also argue as well, well that it, it was a last-man tackle. Yeah. yeah. But Shuttle, Shuttle... But no, somebody would have got in because of the angle and everything. I think they would have... Said that somebody could have got back and blocked off Davies if that was the case. Yeah, I mean, that was probably what, what they were going for. But the free kick, Teixeira played it in perfectly. An A bullet off a header by TT. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Chani. Who had basically not done very much for that half in an attacking sense, anyway. I thought it was another poor outing by Chani, but maybe redeems himself. I was going to say I'm not going to say it's a poor outing, but uh, obviously, yeah, you're right. He didn't leave for much in the attack, but um, they were able to keep Minnesota at bay in the midfield quite a bit. But 
the, the but the problem we'll talk about the midfield later but yeah I don't think it was a poor performance by him and he definitely got the goal um, it was a great header from him bullet header if we see more of that from him I don't really care how he plays for most of the match if he's going to like bury chances like that but I mean yeah. first but, goal for the White Caps fantastic yeah but he hasn't been so far that's, no. and that's been the that is the big issue and with the players coming back hopefully soon and being healthy then you kind of have to look at what players may drop out of the team or Again, depending on what changes may be made in the summer, which we'll talk about in a little bit as well. I think for the rest of the season, we're going to be having players come back from injury. Yeah, and hopefully no more falling out. But the the Caps, 2-0 at the half. You kind of thought they were coasting, cruising a little bit, but this is the White Caps. It's never the same. And one thing which I did think about at halftime was... Was that the time to change the formation? So we'll, we'll oh, talk about the formation now, I guess. I, 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 I was thinking that while I was watching the yeah. game. I mean, I, why Cal did Robinson, they change the formation? Cal Robinson sprang a surprise before the game, went for four four two, and the sole purpose for that was to try and catch Minnesota by surprise. Obviously, it was a bit of a surprise to, to Minnesota. They weren't expecting four four two. It's not something he usually plays. It allowed him to bring Davies into the team, Give Montero, in theory, some support up front. Yeah, um, it, it, it felt it felt more like a disjointed four four one one. Yeah, really. I mean, she uh, Russell Beresford wrote a great piece this morning at Squad Player on Twitter. Check check out the piece that he wrote about it, saying he's not sure what it's going to take to convince Carol Robinson that Brick She is not, not a, a natural striker. Yeah, but him not playing as a natural striker is clearly not one of those things that, that is going to convince him otherwise. And it, it wasn't a great understanding between the two of them. But for me, I would have gone to the four one four one at the half, shore up that back line. Or even a four two three one at that point. Yeah, you, 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 you something have, to protect you, your defence you, you, and, and protect the lead. And protect the midfield. Because yeah. were obviously that four four two. that's the number one reason why they weren't able to keep any possession because they didn't have a third guy in there. Well, you knew Minnesota were going to come out all guns yeah. blazing. And we'll hear from Adrian Heath in a little bit as well. He roasted his team at half time. Very, very angry and upset Adrian Heath after the game. The hairdryer thing? Basically, that's what it sounds like. He was hoarse and he said it was from shouting at his team at half time. So you knew they were going to come out. I'm just surprised that Robo kept with that 4-4-2. I do think he could have changed it up. And Minnesota, a different team in that second half. Yeah, I think it could it could have played the same, played out the same way that uh, that you're talking about with going starting with four four two. And that if you if you they altered it at the half, it could have been a surprise as well. Yeah, and I think that's what it is that like they obviously made adjustments to counteract the four four two. Yeah, so change it again, change it again, that. and then the, that would have uh, if you. Looking into the thing, saying knowing that they're they weren't expecting a four four two, they're going to make adjustments. So knowing that, get ready to make adjustments. Maybe not start right away with a four four two. I mean four two three one or whatever four one four one, but get ready to make those adjustments when you see what's going to happen. And and that would have helped. I think. Yeah. At least I mean at least on the scoreboard it was definitely a tale of two halves. Yeah. Because they they were able to just basically in the second half run through the midfield at will. Uh, because the the space between the strikers and the midfield it was it was so vast and they were they had all the time in the world to move it up. They definitely went running at well. Well, Seymour was playing in the WFC two game. <laughs> mm, good but job. yet five minutes in, Minnesota back in it. Horrible defending. It's like Jordan Harvey sucked into the middle beyond belief. 
I, I don't know why people are on his case about that. That's what he was probably supposed to do if he sees somebody making a run. Well, who because was at fault then? Be, I personally think it was either whoever was playing um, the wide area, Dave, that would be which Davies. was Davies, yeah. or whoever didn't run uh, c- catch the run across the box because he ran from one side of the yeah, box he, to the other. Movement, it was fantastic. And so that was either Laba or Chani yeah. should have been tracking him. Yeah. And so one of the, those guys were the ones that should have been watching him. Harvey was watching the guy making a run in front of him. If the ball had gotten into that spot and he had scored, I think it was Molino maybe or whoever it was, it doesn't make a difference. But whoever, if that person had scored, then people would have blamed Harvey for not tracking him into the in the running box. Yeah. So yeah. you can't Turn blame it. Harvey. Harvey did what he was supposed to do. Somebody else should have caught. I think it was a center back too. I think. Uh, uh, I the don't know. They, they all seem to head towards the. I think he, the they were saying post. he just stayed up the pitch. You can double check that if you want. Um, I think he was a center back because they were. It was right after a corner or something like that, and they kept possession. So it was. It was well taken. Great yeah. header in off the ground over Eisted. Not a lot he could do with that. And Minnesota right back in it. And at that point, I basically felt that the Caps were in trouble. Yeah, well, it was Calva. It was their center. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, th- somebody should have tracked him. Um, Harvey obviously was tracking somebody. It was If that was uh, a plan made, um, if that was something that they had worked on, it was executed perfectly. Because yeah. as soon as he made the run, Harvey sucked in and yeah. the ball went to the, from the far post it was in. I mean, great move. And... It's the kind of play you don't see often from the Whitecaps either. But the, then, just past the hour mark, Minnesota get level. And hard to see who you want to point fingers at in this one. Robo said it was another defensive breakdown for the goal. I think I, they weren't expecting a short corner maybe or something like that. I thought it was a nice finish. Even Adrian Heath was like, meh, he kind of hit it. It's what it is. And it's like, okay. It, it, it's it, your it, it felt hopeful and speculative, the shot. Yeah. If you want to put anything, maybe they were just sucked too far back into the box. They should have been pushed up once they saw that there was um, the, it was a short corner. Also, a lot of sucking uh, in that half yeah, in the Whitecaps. Uh, <laughs> Chera also, um, uh, uh, the ball came around the corner. Of the like from the corner in, into the middle, and he kind of didn't really uh, uh, stick stick his ground or whatever, and 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 wasn't able to made it too easy for that guy to make the pass. Yeah, and then I mean went to two two, and I thought Minnesota were going to go on. Then I, th- I just thought they had their tails up, but then they kind of took their foot off the gas. It was really really strange. Well, then it, it was it was the appearance of Ibn. Once Abidi came on, everything was yeah. all right. Yeah, and yeah, that, that was an interesting substitution. I think that kind of from when when Bernie came on, it felt like it was kind of like a slugfest. Like it felt like it was a back and forth and uh, felt like there was chances going both ways. Yeah, I mean, Bernie, we didn't really get much of a chance to look at him last week when he came on against Dallas. Seven minutes, didn't get the ball much, didn't do much. But he looks... A difference maker for the Whitecaps in that he offers something different to the team. He holds up the ball well. Good in the air. Yeah. I mean, you, you watch some games like the Portland-Seattle game tonight, headers going in, and it's like you watch players across the league rising, heading the ball in, and you think, we just haven't got that aerial presence from our attackers. Yeah. Our centre-backs bring it, Kendo and Timmy, but even fantastic. E- but even, even they don't offer that dynamic header. No, um, Chani did, but Chani was more like he just uh, got into it. Yeah. But to rise up like that, like a like I, like a Darren Maddox from years ago yes. against TFC, a good Darren Maddox. Hopefully, this yeah. is yes. And um, um, and I think I think he I think he the run he made into the box connecting with Harvey's and Harvey's cross. You can say Harvey's cross was great, or you can say Harvey's cross was just there and he met the ball where he was supposed to meet it. 
He basically turned, though, just a, a good cross. That I mean, we've seen crosses like that go into the box so much, but, I mean, he turned that into a great chance. And, again, you have to tip your hat to Shuttleworth for a fantastic save that I think that one could be up for a goal or save of the week. Yeah, it was, a, it was, the, it was the best cross of the entire match, I felt, from open play for us. And, yeah, it was a nice glancing header. Shuttleworth did well. The thing, there's a couple of things about, about Bernie coming on. He was only on for 17 minutes. But when he came on, and, and maybe, it's, maybe it's not a full indication of, of who he is, but the positive for me was that he looked like he was going to do anything he could to help us you know, fight for that, yeah. that, that go-ahead goal. He's hungry, though, as well, because yeah. he wants to get minutes Exa- started, exactly. and that is what we've been needing. So he was pressing, he was chasing, he was he was hustling. He, Yeah, he looked like he was fighting for, you know, fighting. he, he was fighting for a starting place. And um, it's gonna, I, I know some people were on him about it, maybe his touch or whatever, yeah. but it was... it was. He's still finding a, his feet playing on turf as well. It's like he said it's well, something that, was, that he's... That was grass, though, wasn't it? Was it turf? Oh no, that's, that's turf. Yeah, that's turf. Yeah, that's turf. That's a football field. Yeah, that's right. The pig, yeah, pigskin. Um, but no, it felt like it, it felt like okay. Here's a guy who wants it. You know what I mean? And like that, I think it's it's been a while since I, I feel like we've seen someone come on yeah. and, and add that kind of bite and that kind of uh, urgency, Panache. urgency. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like mosquito Gravitas. sometimes, right? When mosquito will come on to yeah, some games, and it's mosquito like, has that spark. So hopefully, yeah. Beanie can as well, and he might have played himself into start. He might be the guy that links up better with Montero if you're going to go with two two guys up front, which I'm not sure that Robo will do that too often. But let, let's talk about Montero. Subbed off early again. Earliest that he's been subbed off, though. Did not look impressed. No. And I felt really sorry for him because, again, no service. Him and Shea just didn't seem to have any understanding. No. And his clinical... Scoring is just not there. It's not helped, though, a lot with the formation, a lot with the tactics. And I don't know. He's a, We've seen that he can bury a chance if he gets it. He's just not getting the chance. We've said this from the very beginning in terms of a tactical approach that has often felt like a square peg in a round hole, right? When you're isolating him by himself up top, that's not really where he's had the most success in his career. Uh, this game, playing with two, trying to play off or with someone, did not go well either. But yeah, it's been it's been uh, frustrating for him, yeah. and it was interesting to kind of visibly see it in his face. Which is, he, I mean, you never want a player to come off and be like, "Yeah, I'm so excited, I'm coming off." But it, you know, it was uh, it was it, you could you could read it in his eyes. And no more chances for the Whitecaps after the Beanies won. There was a chance towards the end for Minnesota to, to sneak Molino, in. Molino, I think, again, right? Yeah, double save from Ousted. Didn't come off. Game finished 2-2. Question I kind of posed when we did the match report in AFTN this morning, and just quickly get your thoughts on this, and then we'll go to some coaches from the some audio from the coaches. Sometimes a draw feels like a win. Sometimes a draw feels like a defeat. Sometimes it's a fair result. And you could easily argue the case for all three of those scenarios for the Whitecaps. How did it feel like to you? Did you feel it was two points thrown away? Did you feel that it was great to get a draw on the road with so many players out? Or was it just a fair result the way that the, the teams played both halves? Yeah, This this wasn't like um, Kansas City 2011 where we fought back and, and earned a point. Yeah, We were playing a new club in the league 
who has had some struggles and a few highlights. And even though it was an away match, games like that you feel like you should take something from. And then when you go 2-0 up, and it it wasn't egregious, but again, I, I one of the turning points of the game is the fact that Bobby Shuttleworth wasn't sent off. Can you like you look back to David Osa getting sent off yeah. earlier this year, right? Like how outside the box, yeah, true, no penalty, <laughs> right? But how but that how, was a clear rate count, yeah. But so how you know how that can turn a game? So up two nil at the half, I, it's it's hard for me to view it as anything but two points dropped. What about you, Steve? Uh, considering uh, how badly they were outplayed in the first half and still came up 2-0, um, I think it was a deserved point. Um, they were able to hold off. Um, they could have easily won with, like, you know, for example, Ibini's chances, but they could have easily lost with Molina's chances. It was a, it was a, a, a an uneven game, sure, but I think, you know, you get a point out of the games like that, you're okay with it, and you move on to the next game. Um, yeah, you sure you want three points out of it, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. And considering what this team is going through right now with the number of starters missing, uh, uh, that would so improve the quality on the pitch. Um, and, and, and again, I, uh, going back to earlier, I put a lot of this, uh, loss of two points on the tactics, especially in the second half, um, because they could have shorted up a little bit faster. Instead of just uh, and and realize what Orlando was going to do coming out of the half. Now Steve and me went to the wrestling on Saturday night, SmackDown Live, and for the purposes of this podcast, Steve is going to play the face. I'm going to play the heel. So that was his face answer there. My heel answer is it was unacceptable to to go two goals up and then to throw it away. I don't care who you're playing. You have to manage the game better. You have to. Not let a go in so early on at the start of the second half through defensive mistakes. Shore up the back line, protect the two-goal lead, do something to do that. I just think, I just hope that this is not two points lost that really, really comes back to bite them in the ass come the end of the season. So close and so tight in the West that two points here and there can make a big, big difference. Just one other question or comment. They mentioned it on the broadcast. Um that Russell Tybert was ill or was not well. Yeah, in the build-up to the game. Yeah, in the build-up to the game, he was, he was feeling good enough to be an 18, but yeah. do you think that had a role he, in it? He wasn't going to play anyway. Like, Robert made his mind up that okay. it was going to be the 4-4-2. No, but I mean in terms of at halftime, in terms of adjusting things. Adjusting, maybe. Mm. Right? Because I think well, he would have I still I still easily adjusted it with who we had, the way yeah, Davies it, played it, in the middle Davies, Davies play in the middle with two guys behind him. Um, that would have made a difference. Move Shea back to the wing. Yeah. I think, and Shea could have played a little bit more defensively and yep, everything like exactly. that. Exactly. That, that's all it is. I, like, again, I'm not saying that I, I'm glad that they got the point because they really, you, I can say they deserve the point because they just scrapped through it. But yeah, they it, definitely it, deserves at least a point. But but they but in a way, if you look at the whole game as a whole and how they were outplayed in the first half, the chances that Minnesota missed in the first half and the fact that they scored in the second half, they might maybe they didn't even deserve a point in that game. So maybe getting a point is a good thing out of it. But but here's the thing though: when you're up on the road two nil, right? You think you'd bring on a player who who? Oh, that I agree with. I th- I think the blame blame main blame in this thing is the tactically. That they didn't make substitutions, they didn't make adjustments to formations or um, uh, defensively at all. Right. So, but when you look at in the, the seven players on the bench, the number one guy in terms of shoring things up defensively surely is Russell Tybert. 
I mean, other than Cole Siler, who's not going to come on. No, it would have been Russell Tyler, but like if you had made a minor adjustment and gone to four two three one, that might have made a difference because at least they wouldn't have been running up the pitch. You would have had Alfonso's great defensively. I have I have no qualms. I don't care if he's sixteen year olds. I a sixteen year old. I have no qualms about him playing in the middle of the pitch in front of Chani and Laba, because you don't have Laba. In fact, running all over the pitch because he got out of position so many times, and I, that's something we can talk about later. Well, but, he always does. Yeah, and and uh, that's something about the, later on. I'll but, talk about. But, but the, yeah. So mixed thoughts from us as to whether it was a good result or not, and it could have mixed reactions from the coaches as well. Carl Robinson was quite upbeat about the game, disappointed, but kind of felt it was a fair result. Adrian Heath, as we alluded to, was kind of fuming. So let's hear a little bit now from both coaches. Not an easy place to play, but sense of disappointment getting a point on the road, but losing. Yeah, no, it's it's probably a fair result based upon you know us being two 0 Credit to Minnesota, they reacted very well at half time, and we knew that would be the case. But we're disappointed with two 0 up. Uh, we need to manage the game better. Two mistakes cost us in a fifteen minute period. Uh, we regathered ourselves then, uh, and maybe could have won it, but maybe could have lost it. So overall, we'll take the point. Maybe disappointed to concede those, but the response from the lads for the final 30. It was great. It was really great, but two individual errors. And in this at this level of football, you can't make individual errors. And if you make them and you concede goals, it gives the other team momentum. That's what happened. Uh, but great response, good character. Uh, and we sh- could have won it, uh, but as I said, we could have lost it as well. We lost two points. We were the best team all evening. Every stat tells you that. But, as I said to the guys at half-time, half if you don't want to work the penalty area, you don't want to put crosses in, you don't want to run behind, you want to play a nice game of football, that's great. I can play a nice game of football. What I can't do is run, and run fast, and run behind, and make people uncomfortable. And second half, we did that. And when we do, we're good. When we don't, we bang average. It's two points dropped. Front four. Nice, neat, tidy, not enough, not enough threat. Possession's great. There's got to be a purpose for your, your possession. And the purpose is to score goals, to work the back four, to work the goalkeeper. That's the purpose of the game. Not to see how many touches you can have in the middle of the park. Yeah, it's nice. Looks, looks very pretty. I want to play like we did second off, when people run in behind without the ball. Not make runs just to get the ball. Make runs for other people. And when we do that, we're decent. And we've thrown two points away tonight. Bad, bad defending. Poor decision-making. You know, and, and we were a little bit short physically, size-wise. And that sometimes you can't do much about it. But it's a great ball, then, eh? And it's a good header for the second one. First one's bad mistake. That's what the, these things happen. Uh, well, we worked the penalty area, didn't we? Got a cross in there. Got bodies in the box. Second one, it's, a, it's okay. It's a finish. It's two-two. But we've we we, we can't wait till half time till I come in and leave, lose my voice at half time to get out the the reaction that we had. Because if we do, it's not going to be enough, and we'll have to change things. No, I, I want everybody to step up. It's a team game. I'm not going to say so and so, so and so. But we have to work the penalty area more. We have to get crosses. We have to get bodies in the box. 
And sometimes you can run all day and never get anything. But you have to do it, because without that, their back four is very comfortable, all set in their positions. Some of our combination playing in, in the first half was fantastic. But then it has to go from the middle of the field to the, to the final third. And we're, we're too happy at times to go back again. It was great to hear uh, the voice of Mr. Whitecap asking the questions there in the uh, Carl Robinson presser. And Adrian Heath, animated. Not Mr. Whitecap. No. I can't wait for him to come here in September. I'm I'm hoping that they don't have the coach doing it outside their own locker room. I hope he comes in for the, the main press conference room because he seems fantastic. Lots of lovely long pauses there between answers. There was a couple of questions in there that I cut out, which I didn't emphasise the length of the pauses. That was how long these these pauses were. So the last thing we want to say about the match for now, I was at the WFC 2 game. So I was coming home, listened to most of the first half on the radio, listened to Pete Shad calling the game on 1410, came in, watched the last 15 minutes on the TV, watched the start of the second half. It was about 15 minutes to go, so I thought, oh, I have to get to the wrestling, so I'm just going to go in the car, listen to the end of the game on the radio, oh, yeah. got in the car, switched on 14.10. Pete Shad and the Whitecaps commentary had been bumped for a Vancouver Canadiens pre-game show. Which is stupid. They bumped an actual live broadcast of a major league match for some chat about minor league sport. And the pigskin was on the other station yeah. or whatever, yeah. I, Which is, that's understandable. Yeah, I mean, that, that I, I get not, that. Not to me, but I understand. Whatever, well, I, you, I, you I, have your bias about every every other sport. I do get this one, by the lines. I have my though. bias, you have your bandana, it's okay. But, for me, if TSN are going to like bump commentary like that, it kind of shows you what, how much importance they place on, and, on football. And it's for a pregame show too. Yeah, it, it, ridiculous, totally unacceptable, and I really hope the Whitecaps speak to them about it because for me it's a disgrace. Yeah, and I and I'm hoping that you know there is a new radio sports radio station coming in, and maybe they'll take this sport a little bit more seriously. It'd be nice, and 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 be able to put them on because you know you have two stations and you're bumping a Vancouver Canadians who who have like what 19 eight, nobody here nobody even heard of these players it's like put, and they're put only the going to be game chat on and, the online which and, is where they moved the and, and they're and they're short term players who are going to be here for one season and they're going to move on to the next level this is these are players that have been here for a couple of years and you bump them and in the end of a game with a 2-2 game it's not even like it's a 5-0 game where they go, yeah. okay, now we have to cut it off and we'll go to the next one ridiculous you're 100% right it's just yeah there was a lot of upset people so, that's our rant of that over. I want to have a little chat now kind of about the defensive side of things. A little bit of a, a breakdown, obviously, with a couple of the goals. But on the whole, the, the defence has played a, a, a lot better. But it is a makeshift defence. We learned this week that Kendall Waston's had an operation on his hand. It's going to be out. Returns to training in three weeks. And what, what folk need to understand is, just because you return to training... It does not mean that you're going to be able to, to play in three weeks' time. It could be four, five, six weeks. He is training well, and he's doing a lot of running around. And we're going to have an interview with AJ in a second, and he kind of 
audio bombs it, which is always good fun. But he is at training, so he's keeping himself fit. He's doing a lot of bike work. But hand injury wasn't what we were expecting when we knew that he had the hip injury as well. So he should be back in training three weeks, but it might be four or five weeks before he plays. And that could mean that AJ now is going to be the starting centre-back for the next month or so. But the it, the hand injury is not going to – it's more the hip that's going to keep the, him Yeah, up. once I think he's uh, good with the hip, I think then the hand like, – because we know the – Alfonso Davies yeah. had a fracture in his hand and he played fully yeah. in the full 90 minutes. Mike so. Martinego sent a brilliant tweet out last night of Alfonso Davies at half time and it was just a guy wrapped all up in bandages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he'd been kicked so much. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, but Kendall's going to be out for at least three weeks. Let's look at it that way. So you're looking at the back line. You've got Shane and Williams as well. Don't know what's happening with Shane and yet. Depending what happens with him being down at the, the MLS behavioural testing and everything that they've done. He could be back at training this week with the White Caps. We haven't heard anything yet. It's if a he, week It's a week to week for him. It's, yeah. You can't even say it's going to be three weeks, four weeks, because there's no set term time at all. If he's back, he may be back in the starting lineup right away as well. Jake Nowinski, though, did fantastic, I thought, against Minnesota. It would be tough to kind of pull him out of the lineup right away when he's... He's found his feet and he's doing so well. I'm uh, not sure if that sends a good message to other players about he, taking he, your chances. He did get pulled off with an injury, so we don't know what that injury that's is. That's the so other that's worry as well. Yeah. Is, is Nerwinski now going to be another player to have the injury bug? Right back Marcel de Young. Looks like it. Yeah, that was an interesting one. They had no choice at that point because he was coming. He was he was he went down. Uh, Minnesota Cole, almost caught them offside or whatever. So but they went for experience because Cole Siler has played right back. Yeah, yeah. Was. It, yeah, it was interesting. I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if we saw De Jong playing against Chicago this coming Saturday just to give Jordan Harvey a rest. Because De Jong's going to be going away, you have to feel, with a Canadian team for the Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be way. And it's like, Brett Levis isn't good to go yet. Christian Dean's not good to go yet. San Adekugby's not on the roster. So if you're going to give Harvey a break, this game against Chicago would be the, the chance to do that. And De Jong would have a chance to play that. Especially because you have a midweek match following. Yeah, so I, I I think we will see De Jong next week. Andrew Jacobson is probably going to continue at centre-back. Christian Dean, still not back to, to full training, not taking part in the games. He's doing his stuff away on the side. So I do think he's probably still another couple of weeks away as well. And Well, he needs to get in with WFC too. Like That's what he needs. Yeah, I, I'll be amazed if Robo doesn't have him at least one, maybe two games with WFC two to, to kind of see... How his foot is, how he's doing, how his match fitness is, and that for me, that's definitely the thing to do. Put him in maybe with Francis De Vries, who's the guy that's maybe pushing a little bit for the contract, but he's just coming back from injury as well. Mm-hmm. So more likely he would be in beside Sam Dewitt. Dominic Zeter got sent off, sent it back for WFC two at the weekend. So if Dean is maybe good to go in a game, we could see him play against Seattle this coming Saturday. It would be great to see Dean back on the pitch. Now AJ has moved into the centre-back role. He's done well there. He played a couple of times there last season. Always impressed. And there's been a couple of little hiccups with him, but I think he's done really well back there. He seems to already have a very good understanding with Parker. Yeah, I I agree with that. It's almost seamless. Uh, I think that, obviously, everybody's going to point to the Atlanta goal. um, uh, um, Again, where he didn't cut him off a little bit faster. But um, other than that, I thought he's played well. 
He heads the ball well, uh, clears it out of the box. Um, he took one off the head. Oh, yeah. A, a neck or something or head or jaw or something like that, I yeah. think it was. They, they were screaming for a handball. I don't know what they what, what Minnesota players were looking at. There's too at many there. dark clouds there. Yeah, it could yeah. be. Yeah, shadows. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I thought he's played well. He's seamless with Tim Parker. Yeah. Um, but you'd still, whenever you get a chance, you do want to get a natural center back there um, like a Kendall Waston, obviously. Mr. Versatile. Yeah. Definitely with the white caps I, right I think that his form for the year has helped in him making, you know, having to start at center back because he's been in such, I think, good form in midfield as a part of that kind of core three. Yeah. That it's been, it's, I think it's helped him be able to slide back and help him be confident, help his teammates around him be confident in, in him there. At this point, uh, not, not at the halfway point, but I would easily say uh, he's the unsung hero of the white cap so far. Yeah, totally. And I got a chance to catch up with AJ at training this week, just to kind of chat really about the season he's had and all the different positions he's played and a lot more besides. So let's just hear now from Andrew Jacobson. AJ, it's been an interesting season sort of for you particularly. You've played a number of different positions. Mm-hmm. How easy is it for you just to adjust to all these different positions that, that you're being asked to play? Um, you just your mindset building up to the week. So you know, I think it's it's been a bit easier because the coaching staff has allowed me the time to kind of in training adjust how I'm going to be playing. But besides that, it's it's just you know they require a little bit different things. But more or less, when you're in the center of the park, whether defense, midfield, it's it's un, it's not that different. Now, you were kind of known more for like the DM role in the four-two-three-one. The change of formation, the four-one-four-one, it seems to have just given a new lease of life to the team. And you, in particular, it just seems to have kind of freed you up a little bit. You, you just seem playing a lot more freer, and seem to be—you've always looked like you're enjoying it, but you just seem to be happier out there. Yeah, I mean, it's a little—you know—when you play that four-two, it's a bit more rigid. You gotta, you know, be very careful in that that uh, holding mid spot and play the 4-1-4-1 it does allow you know some more freedom to the players Uh, I you know I kind of grew up as an attacking midfielder so I I think naturally that's how I think although most of my career has been a holding mid so you know I I definitely enjoy it that's for sure and defensively we saw when you first made your centre-back appearance for the Caps last year against Houston fantastic game every time you've been called upon in the centre defence you seem really natural in there a lot of players, I know, when they get older, they kind of maybe change positions or whatever to kind of just elongate their career a little bit. Is that something you'd consider, like switching to a defensive role? Um, I'll address that when I get older, you know. Yeah, long way to go. No, I, I honestly, I, I didn't come here to play a set position. I came here to help the team, and and I, I think the coaching staff it, it gives me a lot of confidence that they rely on me in different positions and trust me. So. You know, I'm here to help the team in any way they call on me for. Now, last season was a bit of a struggle on the pitch for the team. Didn't make the players for the first time in a couple of seasons. The turnaround this year, though, has been quite phenomenal, really. What do you put a lot of that down to? I would say mentality and attitude. I think, you know, we, we're, we've really come together and... and believe we're going to win the game no matter what happens whether we go down or up or anything we we really 
I think mentally we're much stronger going into games and throughout the game. You know, we don't feel like last year we had a lot of swings mentally and kind of how we play throughout a game, and I think we're a lot more consistent this year. This is your ninth season in the league. The league's changed a lot since a lot of folk here started paying attention to it in 2011, but how have you noticed that, that the league's changed from when you came in in 2009? Huge difference in quality. I would say when I first came into the league, you could almost be a top team by just having good, hard-working players that kind of work for each other. They don't have to be the highest of quality, but if all 11 were just working for each other, you'd actually do pretty well, and I think there's teams that have won championships that way. I think now it requires quality to, to change games and to win games, and you know, you're know you seeing it's a lot more difficult to get that winner, and special players are, are, are changing pretty tight games. Now, just looking a little bit back into your career as well, I noticed you went and played for America 2008 in the futsal tournament. Was that always something that you did growing up? Like, did you play a lot of indoor games? Not indoor. I grew up playing a lot of futsal, um, quite a bit in California. And then never was that big into it, but I got injured when I was in France, and as I was coming back, they, they called me to the World Cup, and it was a cool experience, so I went. It's not something I pursued heavily, I would say, but I, I always enjoyed playing it a lot growing up. And we do a little bit in the, in the show as well. We kind of talk about firsts. Do, do you remember, or how much do you remember of your first game in MLS? Uh, first game in MLS, we're up 2-0 in, in L.A., and... Uh, Donovan came on and came and torched us in the end to come back 2-2. What about, what's your, your recollections of your first professional goal? Oh, gosh. Uh, let's see here. Professional or MLS goal? Let's say pro. Or if, pro, MLS, I, think, I think I scored a goal in the Open Cup my first year or something like that, but I don't think it meant much. I think we end up winning by a lot. First pro goal or MLS goal, I think it was my first year in Dallas. I'd have to go back and check yeah. to be fair. I, the, the goal that you scored this year, the screamer, is that probably down as the best one that you've you've scored in your career? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, I've had a couple couple longer ones, probably, but not off the volley. Uh, don't get close to goal very often, so I kind of <laughs> have to shoot to score. So yeah, it probably was. Just last few things quickly. I noticed as well you had a spell over in Norway. How, how did you find that whole experience? Fantastic. That was when uh, when I was in Dallas, New York had purchased me before they had a team. And there were still six months left in the season, so they loaned me out to Bob Bradley's team out in Norway. I absolutely loved it. Very tactical. Um, complete change of pace from the MLS. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Just last thing, teams now going into close to the second half of the season. What are you expecting from the team to do in the second half? A lot of the injured guys starting to come back, but it's just been an incredible season. I've never seen a team like this get injuries. What are you hoping for for this second half? Yeah, injuries are going to happen. You just, you know, it's the next guy in line stands up and and steps up in the games. And really what we want to keep, keep doing is just progressing little bit by little bit. You know, we don't... We don't want to have these big, huge swings where we're fantastic in one game and then fantastic. kind of just <laughs> kind of out there the next game. You know, what we're, we're looking to do is consistently build how we play. Okay, thanks so much for your time, Adrian. Good luck for the rest of the year. Take care.
Andrew Jacobson there talking all things white caps, futsal, and and a lot more. And I'll just explain the music that introduced that and came out the end of that, and then yeah, the, please explain that the, the music that we had before that. As I'm well. enjoying your music this week. I I was very saddened this week because the UK lost basically a, a huge part of anyone my age or even a little bit older and a little bit younger our childhood. It would be like Mister Dress Up. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but it's Mister Dress Up or Mister Rogers or Mister Rogers. Mister Rogers is dead, right? Sure, let's kill him. Well, Mr. Dressup, I'm pretty sure, is dead too. Well, let's say when they died, Canada would have mourned them because it was a big part of people's childhoods. Unfortunately, Brian Kant died this week, aged 83. A lot of kids grew up watching him on Play School, Play Away, and three of my favourite kids' shows, Chigley, Trumpton, and Camberwick Green. So we're just paying a little homage to him tonight. He introduced the show before the music at the start, and we've got a couple of songs from him during the show as well. But enough of that. Yeah, an update for Mr. Dressup. Eric Coombs, he is dead. Okay. 2001. Yeah. Good to confirm Rest that. in peace. So, back to football chat. Andrew Jacobson. Yeah, Andrew Jacobson had a, a good game, as we mentioned. And it's moving forward. We don't know what's going to happen. We're going to talk about the, the Chicago game at the end of this, this week's show. But last thing for this section, do you have any major concerns about the defence right now? It's just the lack of depth. I think. I was, yeah, aside from sick bay, yeah, that's the only issue. If everybody was healthy, I would have no concerns about it at all. Yeah, it, it is concerning. It's nice to have a player like AJ who can yeah play in the center of defense, but uh, yeah, we're very, very, very thin. Yeah, I, I think uh, I know the summer transfer window is coming. Um, I'm. I know in the past I've said that I don't think they should get a center back because they need to just wait till everybody gets healthy. But maybe if you move somebody on, like a Cole Siler, maybe a Christian Dean, then you make some space and bring in another center back. Who, that couldn't, when you say you know, move on, do you mean permanently or on permanently loan? Or permanently or loan? Or, or either, either or, just to move him off the roster in order to make room. Because I think there's other spots yeah. they can also I think use Cole Siler needs to go out and loan to play because we have to see what he can do. Yeah. And He's not getting fully tested at USL, or if he is, that's kind of worrying because he's not been doing very well at, at USL play this this season. So I would, I'd like to see him go out and loan. You've got a couple of guys in the USL team, Francis De Vries and Sam DeWitt, pushing for MLS deals, but I don't quite think they're at that stage they're just now. They're not close yet. I mean, Zach, would, would you bring in a centre-back just now, knowing that even once Kendall is back, you've got Kendall, Timmy... And Christian Dean, we don't know how he's going to be health-wise, how fragile he's going to be. And you can't always rely on AJ to drop back when we possibly need him in the middle of the park. Yeah, well, I don't think it would be shocking if they, they tried to bring in some uh, some depth, some help at, at the centre-back position. Uh, there was that, Remember there was that talk of that... Uh, I think it's died, but that talk of that set, uh, former Celtic centre-back. Oh, Effie Ambrose. Right. That, that, that talk is dead, right? Haven't heard anything about it for a long, long time. And he got signed with Celtic, had a bit of a, a nightmare in the, the Champions League, although it was against Barcelona, so you can possibly forgive him for that. And then went on loan to Hebs, did well at Hebs, and he's an experienced guy, but there hasn't been talk about that at all for for months. And a guy that was linked to centre-back this week was Perquis. Perquis. Oh, no, oh, are yeah, you yeah. serious? Yeah. Da- yeah. Damien Perquis. Yeah. 
Please no. The he White just, got released. Wanted, he just yeah. got released from somewhere. Yeah. Please Caps, no. I think it was Nottingham Forest, and I think they bought out his contract, yeah. which Toronto also bought out his contract. Yeah. There, there's there's reasons why. Yeah, there, there's, yeah. A, there's a trend here of clubs are wanting not, to buy out your contract. Not good on the pitch, and I don't think uh, great off the pitch. I don't know where that came from. It was like, well, Glass City tweeted out uh, an article that, that was linking him to three clubs. I can't remember the third one, but the other one was Legia. Warsaw, yeah, yeah, in Poland, in Poland, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he should go to Poland. That would be that's the right decision. I, 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 I genuinely think Robo will look at bringing a centre back in. Yeah, I, yeah, I would, that that sounds. And I think he would more like a veteran, so it could possibly think, even be a veteran that's he could even trade just on for a six some, month contract. And you could and trade then, somebody from M- within MLS well, too. Yeah. One of the, possible. One of the problems with Damien Perkis when he was in Toronto was his cap hit. It was not. He was not. Oh, yeah, he, was, he, was, he was making more than he was worth. Yeah. The thing is, is there's other teams that are probably going to bring in center backs too, uh, to to strengthen their teams, and they might have extra pieces left over um, on their starting lineups, and they might want to unload them. And you, maybe you don't even have to give up too much yeah. to get that. Maybe so we you, should talk Pamaduka out for retirement. So you want leftovers, just as a stopgap, because you're going to have Kendall Waston going uh, for international. Yeah. Uh, duty as well in September. I don't know if the Whitecaps have a game in that area, but if he goes on international duty, he could come back injured again. Plus, and the then you, can, you need that extra player. Are going to come into play yeah. at so, some point. So yeah, but he's out of. The, he's going to lose it one of these days. Both, both him and Bull are they're confirmed out of the Gold Cup squad, right? At the moment, yes, but I believe players could get added at the quarterfinal oh, right. stage because oh, right, yes. that's what knockout. Yeah, TFC. Yeah. I think that's going to be there an was, issue. There was chatter about that might be the case with Kyle Lahren that he might be missing going to the Gold Cup initially but could be back for the knockout stages. We'll have and to wait for and see America, that. Altador and Bradley are yes. staying with TFC until the knockout stages apparently. Yeah, okay. Kyle Lahren I heard uh, I heard six weeks. I heard he's out for at least six weeks from. But th- th- there's no there's no that. set time. If they've set, that, that might have leaked out, but there's no set time. For that. No, yeah, we, I heard from someone kind of close to <laughs> close to the Orlando club that yeah. it's six weeks. So we'll see what happens whether Robo does bring a centre back in or not. I genuinely feel he will. The transfer window opens on July 10th, so he might have someone lined up. You never know. At this point, uh, we're halfway through the show. Whitecaps are close to halfway through the season. What are your guys' thoughts on how it's gone so far? If you look, they, they've played 15 games. They're, like A lot of the other teams are already at the halfway mark. Yeah, we've we got two games in hand. I think yeah, us and... Three, actually, on, on KC at the top. Yeah. yeah. It's, it is basically the halfway stage of the season. It's just the Caps haven't reached their, their one yet. I mean, they're, they've won six, they've lost six. Considering all the injuries that the team's had, that's not the end of the world. Glass half empty, glass half full. Yeah, I would say glass half full at this point, considering what they've gone through. I I think I mean they're sitting in seventh just now in the West, but if they win all their games in hand, they're top. I mean, B- the, big F there, but I, I think with with when you look when you <laughs> you look at most football leagues around the world, most football clubs, you need to win at home and get some results on the road. We've dropped some points at home so far. But we've managed to also pick up some points on the road. So that's been, it's, it, yeah, it's kind of balanced out, I guess. Yeah, the waveform, it really hasn't been, been too bad at all. I mean, if you, if you want to look at some positives, there's play of Alfonso Davies. He's been fantastic when, he, when he's been on. That's, that's done well. Rick Shea, I think, has been a, a fairly pleasant surprise, really. Yeah. I didn't, expect, I didn't expect much from him. I, I, yeah, I'm, he's impressed me more than I thought. I, I, Kind of thought his star had waned and we weren't going to see much of him, but I think he's been okay. I, I especially when he plays the wing. When he plays up top, he's not that much there, but uh, wing definitely. 
the defensive play. I mean, that's been the big turnaround this team. Very impressed with Kendall Waston, how he's dealt with having the, the armband. He's calmed his play down. He seems a lot more mature. Timmy Parker's been excellent as well. Shane Williams... Before he had his issues, yeah. Yeah. No, on the pitch, he was fantastic. You can't knock Williams for what he's done on the pitch in a Whitecaps jersey. Nerwinski looks a very capable backup. So, I mean, the defence has been good. And, of course, they, they switched to the four-one-four-one formation, which has just worked wonders and kind of freed up so many players like AJ, as, as we talked about earlier. Yeah, it's hard not to see the... It's hard not to see the the defense as being a positive this year. It, it still feels like we we don't we don't have we're struggling it's still struggling. It feels like to store to score, to score goals. We don't have like no one is taking that kind of bull by the horns. And yeah, I think they've been unlucky a few times, a few games, especially like for example the DC United game, uh, running into the keeper there, and then um, Minnesota they had a couple of chances in open play they couldn't get it. Uh, but overall, I think open play, they just have been unlucky, and but they've made up for it in the set pieces. That that they, they've dominated in that. Yeah, it's been interesting because in previous years it was like the other way around. So yeah, set pieces were for putting the ball into row double Z or or whatever. And this year it, it feels a little bit more like wow, we're we're producing more of them. And I know there's a stigma attached to that that like oh, if you only score from set pieces, you know, the rest of your football is poor. But I don't think. I, I, there's been, I think, some really positives to how we've played, especially starting with that stretch when we had the four games on the road. Yeah, yeah. Quick, qu- very impressive. Quick question to you guys: Which of the you, you were talking about the home games? You got to win those out. Of the, I, I actually give him a pass on the Dallas game, the draw, because of how, what happened that week. Uh, but the other three games where they draw points: the loss to TFC, the loss to DC United. And Philadelphia Union. And, and the draw against Philadelphia. Which one was the most disappointing to you guys out of those? Well, on, they... on an emotional level, losing to Toronto is obviously the most disappointing. On a tactical and mind level. Uh, I, 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 think, I think the, the Philadelphia... Take the heart out of it. The Philadelphia game should have should have been moved or I don't know. Yeah. I know it was first kick or whatever, but like it was that was not ideal that... that I think they did it. I think they purposely maybe did us a favor by serving us a really... Not great team. I was going to say, yeah, it was a crappy team. Yeah, I think, I think that is exactly what they did. They, but I don't think Vancouver was able to take advantage of it because I think they saw that, you know, what we were going through. I think they tried it in the schedule to give us some, a team that wasn't going to provide much. Yeah, for me, and Philadelphia didn't at the all. Philadelphia game is the, the hardest one of those three losses. DC, or they didn't lose, but it felt like a loss. The DC game, I was critical they lost that they, they weren't a very good team. But... Robo then kind of chastised me when I, I mentioned that the following week, saying that's not fair to DC that they are a good team. They're just going through a, a bad patch at the moment. Philly, though, I mean, that draw. Yeah, I talked to DC supporters, and I don't think they feel like they're a great team. I don't, still don't feel they're a good team, but Robo seems to think they are. He's just been a nice guy. My other concerns, I mean, you've, you've got Montero scoring or lack of. I mean, that that's a big, big concern. The, the service team's another big, big concern. And just... What is happening that we just can't keep players from getting injured? It's, yeah. Is it something that's happening at training? Is it something to do with their regime? Are we just not enough time in the hot tub? Are we just the unluckiest team the in the bag. world this season? I don't know. I, I personally think that the uh, you guys can disagree or whatever agree with me. I think the main problem for this team has been the midfield. Um, whether it's attacking, whether it's defending, I just I'm not a fan of the. 
I, I like the way they're set up, like the tactically, but I don't like the personnel on there. Um, I think you can like having, for example, Tony Chani and Matias Lava, you can only have one of those guys on there because neither one can push the ball forward yeah. and get the passes forward. I'm, I'm sorry. I know Lava, a lot of, there's a lot of fans out there. I don't see it in him. I see, I see sometimes him getting out of position more than I, I personally sometimes feel that Chani should be the lone guy at the back and it should be two other people up to uh, up top on the four, one, four, one. I don't. Uh, I don't want to beat a dead bull, but um, I think you know, what you talk about. What our issues are, it, it comes it comes back to the designated players. So our good friend Slamo, you know, would say to you know, what you just said, Steve. That yeah, Lab is fine, but not as a designated player. Um, at, and I think we have two two of our designated players really should be tan players at the most. And I think that's yeah. where our, one of the one of the biggest shortcomings is. And I know that I know we haven't had Jordy Reyna. I know there's guys who haven't been able to contribute. Yeah, but in the he way still they wasn't a, a designated player. He, he's a tam player. But, yeah. I mean, there's all the rumors, and we haven't really talked about this on the show yet. So this is a, a good time to talk about it. All the rumors are that Atiba Hutchison is going to be coming in. It came, and those rumors came out of Turkey too. Yes. Gobble gobble gobble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not Ziggy Schmid. No, no, no. <laughs> but. That's a throwback for our early listeners there. But yeah, Tiba Hutchinson linked with the Caps for a long time. Now it, it seems a, a have a bit more legs. There's talk that MLS is going to help fund it, as they did with bringing the US guys to TFC. $5 million has been the, the transfer fee mentioned. And th- there's no doubt a player like Hutchinson is going to improve the team. It's going to help the middle of the park. But can we justify... Spending $5 million on a 34-year-old, when if we're going to spend $5 million, I would spend it on a younger guy, maybe a, a really talented striker. T- totally. Like, this This is, like, I, I love Atiba Hutchinson as a, as a voyager, as a Canadian supporter. Like, I love him. I love, he's one of the best players, if not the best player that's ever been developed and come out of our country. I, yeah, supported him for years, you know, with the national team. Uh, obviously, we've gotten to watch him on TV, uh, especially his time at um, in Denmark and Copenhagen and Champions League and Europa League and stuff like that. And I think he can come here, and I think he can contribute. I think he can do some really great things. However, we, you know, you bring up you bring up the figure of five million dollars, which it, hasn't been confirmed. To no, be fair. To, to be fair, but hasn't if been confirmed. We base it on on that speculation. Right to me, it doesn't it, make a difference about the money. No, I, I no, 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 no. It, it it makes a huge difference about the money because they've said they don't want to. Uh, our our the football committee, including our owners, have said they do not want to. They're not planning on on spending big money. So if they are going to spend a reported five million dollars on a Tiba Hutchinson, although MLS will meet a big chunk of that, right? But if if they're yeah. Sure, but we don't we don't know what that is. Before it sounded like they were maybe going to pay a million, and now it's are they paying two? Are they paying three? Are they paying four? We don't know. Well, that, but, I think the transfer is going to happen depending on how much MLS contributes. I personally don't think right. MLS but, should be contributing to any club to help. No, it shouldn't. Here. But they've done it in the past. Yeah. If they're they got to keep doing it, then. But the issue is, if they're going to do that, is that is a thirty four year old center midfielder who is not going to probably in and of himself sell a lot of tickets and move the meter in that sense, is this really the best overall thing? And again, I, I would be love, I'd be, I'd be really happy if I could see Atiba Hutchinson play for a year or two or three or whatever here. But is that really the best thing for the club 
in the overall bigger scheme of things. Well, I, I, if he, it if, feels it feels weird. It feels yeah. he's the type of player the Whitecaps need. Whether he's I'm not, whether they, you want to get a guy who's 29 or th- you're okay with a 34 year old at Tiba Hutchinson, he's the type of the player the Whitecaps need. Somebody that can push the ball up, somebody who can uh, create and and link up the back to the front. And if they, that helps the Whitecaps winning win the games, that will sell tickets. And, and he has so, been phenomenal sure. for Besiktas this, yeah. this past season. And so, right. and, so and, and that's in Champions League. Yeah. yeah. So, and yeah. that in Europa League. So. Yeah, in Europa League after that too. So I I honestly, if they if they want to, this is the player they need. That's my whole issue with the midfield. The midfield has, because they've had Fred, Freddie Montero up top. He is, if you don't want to call him proven goal scorer, he's a decent goal scorer for he's MLS. He's definitely a proven goal scorer. Then there you go. Then, so that's not obviously not an issue with striker up top. Because they brought a beanie in as well, so they're not going to bring in another striker at this point. They need to fix their biggest problem, which is the midfield. Case I don't, closed. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, that, Steve. I just don't know if Atiba by himself will be able to fix the mid, the midfield, or Atiba and Jordy together will be able to fix the midfield. And I also well, there's no other players unless you're going to go put five people in the midfield. You're not going to have any other players that can fix it by themselves because there's. Uh, uh, four five one. That will be the the, yeah. the new formation. He hasn't tried four, that one yet. Four six zero. But <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's but, an old Scotland formation. But but Steve, yeah, it, w- winning will 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 sell tickets. But he, I don't think Atiba in and of himself is going to sell the amount of tickets that you could you could get for spending five million dollars. Okay, a reported what, five what, million. What striker? Wait, what what young striker are you going to bring in that's going to sell tickets? Uh, well, you guys just talking about spending money on a young striker. And what young striker is going to come for five million dollars transfer fee, unless you get him for free? I don't see. See, the, the uh, silence is very telling. Yeah, so I don't. I don't see who you're going to get for five million. You got players like. Uh, if you're talking about bringing a player in just to sell tickets, no, you're not going to get one of those players. No. But you could definitely get a good player in the Mexican yeah. league in South America. You could do that in that the off season at this point. Right now, a young striker comes in. You, who are you going to? You going to put Montero on the bench? You're going to put Ibini on the bench? You just brought him in. Well, that was actually something I, I meant to mention. We were talking about Montero. If he continues this lack of goal-scoring form, do you bench him? He's a designated player. The onus is kind of on you to play these guys. But if he's not performing, at some point you have to bench him. So you're saying Hurtado coming back on? Hurtado could be back in a couple of weeks, yeah. Yeah, he's not going to get benched, I don't think. Can you imagine Whitecaps Twitter if Freddie gets dropped for Hurtado when he comes back? That That would be fantastic. So if they bring in Atiba, can the Caps still keep on the books Chani, Laba, Jacobson, Tybert, McKendry, all very similar positional players? You have to no. feel that there has to be some movement. There. Yeah, there has to be movement. They can easily move somebody like a, like a guy like Tony Chani. Yes, he's on a high ticket, but other MLS teams would be interested. They can move him on for something else. They can uh, uh, loan out players if they need to. Which they were talking about before. Well, McKendry would be players. another prime one to go. Yeah, because like Siler, he's a guy we need to see him play regularly. And, and you were talking about Bustos too before that yeah, he could go he could out. On so there's a lot of players Shemaine. that can be. I mean, there's a lot, always a lot of moving parts in MLS. The roster spots not the concern. You're right. They've been talking a lot about. Uh, Bravo, I think, has talked a fair bit about. Okay, we would like to have our young players be playing more at a at a, at a competitive level. The bigger concern to me is it's always felt like there's no cap space to. Well, you have to remember, if they do bring Atiba in in the summer, he's only going to count 275000 towards the cap. Right. So for the rest of this year, that's not a big, big issue. You can then easily buy down 
which is what started all this chat, Laba or Shea, to have them as a TAM player instead of a designated player to right. free up the spot for H- Hutchison. And then I think it's I think it's two seventy five that that counts towards the cap. Yeah, so that's that's not much to work on. Like they don't need to work the the numbers too much if they do right. that. So literally, that's like that's like moving on Tony Chani. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I mean they could definitely make it work for now, but then at the end of the season, you're gonna have to move some some of these guys on anyway. And of course, we don't know whether Montero will be here at the end of the season. And so, and so uh, a couple of questions. One, uh, Steve, you were talking about how you kind of would like if a t- if a Tiba did come, how you'd like to see them play. Can, can you walk us through that, like? Holistically, formation-wise, no, I'm not. I'm not a coach, so I don't know. But okay. if if you Mike, take if Michael. you take if you take, if you take the four one four one, yeah, where is you he could easily yeah. be alongside a arena up top in the four one four one and have Laba behind him. I, I would and I think that would be where he's playing just now. That would be way more dynamic than what they have right now. Oh. And, and then Jacobson can be off the bench uh, as I, your fourth I, midfielder. Coming off, uh, and yeah, th- that would be a I, set, set lineup at that point. I don't think, definitely, I don't, I don't think anyone argues that would be more dynamic. I yeah, definitely don't. Which is, that's why I was saying that that's the best option. Definitely don't think that Hutchison won't improve the team. I just don't like what Zach said. I just don't like spending that money on a, on a guy of that age. So we threw out a, a Twitter question today, just asking for people's thoughts, hopes, and concerns at, at this point of the season. And boy, did that blow up. We had so many replies. We'll try and get through as many of them as we can just now. And then I'll throw it to you two, and you can maybe just quickly give your thoughts. So no no big, big comments on this. 343 at Just Caps Things. He said his thought is, Andrew Jacobson is essential to the team. His concern is Davies' health. And his hope is the Whitecaps survive this five-game stretch that's coming up. Definitely a, a... key time of the season and the, the team has struggled in the summer before Davies health any concerns about that they, I, I, I don't know it seems to be resilient if you fracture a, hand, a, a bone in your hand and you're able to play a few days later I, I, he's resilient he, he seems a tough kid yeah and I think um, I think they do need to protect him a little bit because of the fact that it seems like people are getting on him and he, it's not really it's not really they're, they're attacking him it's that they just can't don't know what he's about to do and so they just, yeah, it just, yeah. just comes in, they, they're not sure where he's going yeah. and they just put the foot wrong, the opposing team. Uh, new AFTN writer Austin Sweeney at Oz Sweeney 4. His big concern is the repeated dismal possession stats, which we, we talked to the start of the show. I think the game ended yesterday, 26% the Caps ended with, with possession. Almost 27. But as long as the team stays healthy, Austin says, and gets healthier, he feels it will be okay. We we I mean we have had home games with fifty like fifty fifty one percent possession. I know it had got crazy. it had got a lot lot better, and I th- hopefully yesterday was just an anom- anomaly of going back to the past. White Caps forever at H Crump says his love hate relationship with the Caps isn't being resolved anytime soon. Feels like a Jekyll and Hyde team. Vancouver Armada. He says, talking about what isn't of concern may be easier in the time allotted to us because there, there does seem to be some concerns from a lot of people judging by some of these these tweets. El Canico says, given Kinnear's firing and Robo's record of 44 wins, 44 defeats, and 32 draws in comparison, position stats, injuries, no bench, transfer window, he just got a lot of concerns just now. I don't really think... Robo's record is a big, big concern. But 
Maybe ask us at the end of the season. Well, Sunderland sounds like they're interested from that one article. Oh, and I never saw that. Oh, yeah. He's being linked to Sunderland. Oh, interesting. I, I, think, I think is Klinsman also one of the... Yeah, there's a few ask people. Ask about that on Tuesday. Trev at underscore Trev Fresh. This is one for you, Steve. He feels there's a lack of delete chance at games. Oh. <laughs> That's a wrestling one. Oh, it's wrestling. Oh, oh. I thought it was something else. Oh, I was wondering why you were laughing so much. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Lorenzo Benetti. He's a good guy. He would love to hear our thoughts on the style of play that the Caps are doing just now. We're getting points this year, but there's low possession. So many goals are coming from set pieces. Is that sustainable? Is it acceptable? I definitely think it's fine. I mean, it's great to see that turning around, but we are heavily reliant on it. No, it's not sustainable. They need to get more goals from open play. Um, I don't have an issue with the the the, the way they're playing right now because that that kind of play will help them get goals from open play. There are it won't be like where they set them up, but they will be able to take advantage of defenders um, when they press on them. I mean, they've worked hard at training on set pieces. It's been fantastic to see. And it's really starting to pay off. And we're getting delivery from a number of different folk and we're getting a number of different folk finishing it. But you have to get goals from open play and it's just not happening. Jordi Reyna, I kind of feel that we're all putting this on him now. Robo's yeah. talking about how it's going to be and like a new player coming in. Everyone's like, oh, can't wait till Reyna's back. Wait till we see the team when Reyna's back. This is a lot of pressure we're putting on a guy based on a couple of pre-season performances where he did look something special. Don't forget the YouTube highlights. Oh, yes. Prairie Caps says can something we, we touched on there. Considering the astronomical amount of injuries, is it actually to Robo's credit that we're still at 500 with six wins and six defeats and that we're not actually suffering some more? No, I, I agree. Uh, I, if you look at the list of man games lost, I, we should have looked at that, but um, we'll get that for next week. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's astronomical. You look at other teams' injury list; it's not even close to being what the Whitecaps have. It's good to know that we're at the top of the man, the man's games lost table. Yeah, uh, you'll like this one from Ronan T. Allen. He doesn't ooh, feel ooh. that we're going to improve unless our midfield can string together more than three passes in a but, row. There you go. Yeah, good man, Ronan. That is at football snob. He's content with our first half of the season, especially considering the injuries and the, the squad turnover, etc. And I think a lot of people are waiting to see what happens in, in the second half. El Canico again says he's wanting to see what we're able to do in this July transfer window. Can we fill the holes that the injured players have left? But it's not so much filling those because these guys are going to be coming back. By the end of July, barring no more injuries, we should have pretty much a full team apart from possibly Bolanius. But again... We've had no official confirmation how long Bola is out for. But if you got uh, Bola, out of all the injuries, I'm more, least concerned about that one only because of the play of Tichera. Because uh, he stepped it up right now and hopefully he's able to keep it going at this pace because um, he was definitely the main difference yesterday. Another one from Ronan T. Allen. Are we the worst passing team in the league? And he says the answer to that question is yes, by the way. Well, there's no need for us to yeah, answer. Yeah, our, our passing... Our passing really has let us down a lot of times this year. And that's mostly through the midfield. But we're not having the possession to get a chance to pass. So, I mean, it goes kind of hand in hand there yeah. as well. No percentage, we're not very high either. Mm. There were some bad stats from the yeah. game yesterday. Oh, yeah. Thick UBC, he's asking, is Robinson the man to take this team forward? He thinks the squad is fairly strong, 
but they're, they're being mismanaged tactically. Before you comment on that, Chris Corrigan, AFTN writer, uh, says that the, the article about um, Robinson linked to Sunderland is a it's a betting thing. It's about the odds or like oh, who right. they think. Yeah, so yeah folk get linked with things all the time. Barry Robson was one of the favourites to take over at East Fife at one point, which I would have dearly loved. That would have been fantastic. That would have been awesome. Uh, but yeah, do you, do you feel Robbo is not getting the best out of this talented squad tactically? No, because we haven't had the squad together fully yet. Um, I, I think that uh, he's made some changes tactically that which have worked. So I don't have an issue with that. I still wish, like again, going back to t- yesterday's game, that he does a little bit more changes during the game and recognize when he needs to change, make a minor change of formation or something like that. I, I there, yeah, there have been some positive things tactically. I think, especially talking about that run from Seattle, the Seattle game on forward. However, when you look at how our usually lone center forward is left on an island and isolated, and this will come back to you know Steve, your favorite point of the evening of the of the midfield or the lack of quality build up play in our midfield, um, there there are issues there, and it's not just with this current personnel. I think it was the same last year in, in many ways as well, right? So it's it's been a, it's been one of the uh, kind of things themes going for a long a lot of years. Uh, I can't remember a midfield when we had it. Yeah, and like actually, that kind of touches on something that Aidan Rantoul said, which like talking about all these things and we're making excuses about getting players back, blah blah blah, and that we're going to be better. He says, "Didn't we say this sort of thing at this exact point last season?" And his expectations are higher this year. And but who was coming back last year? Yeah. Chris Corrigan again at Sailor Sea, who, by the way, says that you're nailing it tonight, Steve. So obviously we kind of take Nailing his, who? <laughs> take, take well, he disagreed with my Chani instead of Lava at the back. Well, apart from that, you're nailing yeah. it. He says maybe the second half of the season we'll play with our actual first team. He's not worried and he can't wait to see a full squad out there, which I'm pretty sure Carl <laughs> Robinson can't either. Hashtag Optimus Union. Um, and a serious question from Ronan, kind of touching on that. Do we see that there's going to be much difference in quality of play between the current injury-ridden squad and the healthy squad? He doesn't think there really is going to be that much difference once we get all these healthy guys back. Wait, who? Th- th- there's not going to be a difference? Yes. No, there will be a difference. Oh, there will be a difference. I, I, I know I said Ronan was the man earlier, <laughs> but, but this time, yeah, I, I, I think if you just add Reyna to the lineup, uh, that will make a huge difference. And and obviously you got Waston missing. Wayne yeah. Williams was crossing the ball so well into the box uh, before he, when he just he was getting really hot at that point. But I mean, like let's just say Williams is back at training this week, yeah, and he's he's cleared and he's good to go. Do you put him straight back in the team, yes. or do you keep Nerwinski in there to reward how well he's played? No, you keep put Williams back in. The only reason why is because you want him to get a game away. You don't want him playing his first game at home. Yeah, that's you a want very him, you, good point. You want him to get away. Although he's probably going to get more abuse at an away game than he would at a home that's game. That's fine, He but he's expecting to get that anyways. You don't want him to get the abuse. And the thing is, there's only a two-game uh, lead up into the next game, so there won't be that much time to talk about it as well when he plays the next game. Then there's a break, then he's fine. But I still don't see him coming back even for Chicago. I think it's an awkward thing where... People will want to know what happened, why it happened, and stuff like that. And he might get yeah. ne- I, I, neg- I do negative feel, or positive feedback. If, until, if he's back this week, 
he needs to issue a statement. Well, for sure. He should be. He yeah. should be talking. He should because have a press if he, conference. Because if he can issue this... No, I, I think he should just issue a statement, say, Monday, Tuesday, the day before he's due back at training, to try and take some of those awkward questions away from training to stop the news no, guys turning they're, up. They're going to still ask the same questions. I don't know. They will. But isn't there like a he, communication ban? Like, isn't he not supposed to talk well, there's about... there's a publication ban. Publication so he can't ban. go into all details, but he could make That's a statement. What, uh, but people will still ask him the question. Either saying it was a misunderstanding or putting his hands up and... Remorse it's, and it's a publication ban for the media to report on right, it. Right, okay. But he can do whatever he but, wants. But but no, the thing is, if the media can ask can ask him questions all they want, and if he offers it, then it's out in the open. So that's why I'm saying they're going to ask no matter what statement he makes. It's, it's a difficult position for him to be in. Yeah, and that's why everyone as well because no one knows. That's the why exact you put it, it, of it. Again, I don't think he's coming back this week. But you put him in Chicago because he's away, and who knows? Chicago fans might not even be paying attention. Maybe a few fans of the, the supporters group will, but other than that, the half for half of the game, he's not even going to be talked to. I'll just rattle through a, a few more tweets here. I told you we had tons tonight. A couple from Whitecap Scarf, at Caps underscore Scarf. Wait, we, we got tweets from Whitecap Scarf? Yeah, it's rare. We need a playmaker. Hopefully, Raina will be the guy that gets that for us. Wants to know if Davis will get a Gold Cup call-up. I think if he's healthy, yes. I, I can't see that not Davis. happening. Um, what's with Montero? No passion, lazy, no one's passing to him. I think it's frustration quite I think a bit, all probably. Three of that. Yeah. Why can't Bustos play? Has Rojo has something against him? No, it's just Bustos is not ready to play in MLS right now. I, I don't know why you'd want to pitch him in. Uh, AFT and writer J Duke at J underscore Duke. Rojo seems to be getting his tactics right recently in answer to the, the thing earlier. Um, but it's personnel an issue. Where will Reina play when he's fit? Who does he replace? The midfield has a void with only Laba and Chani. Does Montero fit into the, the system that they're doing? It seems like Robo is finally making strides tactically, but has a mismatch of decent players who don't fit in with the system that he actually wants to play. They might have to adjust the system then, and hopefully he's willing to do that. But I personally think that who does he replace in a midfield like this that doesn't put together passing, doesn't possess the ball? He can replace anybody he wants. And just the last couple of things here. Morbito, at Morbito on Twitter. He wants to talk about the attendance. The, a lot of the teams in Vancouver are struggling with attendance just now. The Whitecaps' attendance is down. Lions' attendance last year was woeful. And it, it, I Canucks heard it was has gone good. down. Well, I, I didn't see what it was last night, but yeah, I heard it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't great. I think the Whitecaps are probably the least uh, got to be... I know they'll be concerned, but the, out of the three, they're the least concerned because I don't think their attendance is that far falling. There's not as many sellouts as there was no. last year, but it's still, still a good attendance. Yeah. I think there's been one, steady. maybe two this year. So he, he says the sports demographics in Vancouver... They're kind of changing a little bit. You've got a lot of folk that's living out in the valley now as well, and maybe they're not coming in so much into into town. No, it's kind of hard to see. I'll, I'll speak on my on my thing. I I just don't feel like like for example, WFC two games in in UBC. I don't even want to come to them because you get all that traffic because they shut down half the roads coming in, and then and then. Um, uh, you just it's just it's just too much of an issue to come all the way out here. Sometimes, um, even downtown. If, like yesterday, I I took me an hour and a half to get, and it was a Saturday to come all the way from here, and 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 then you have to pay for parking. Luckily, I got free parking yesterday, but you have to pay for parking too. Wait, how'd you get free parking? Oh, there's ways. Okay, I'll tell you off, off air. Okay, because I don't want anybody else getting it. 
So we'll, we'll kind of wrap the chat up there. Just a, a couple of quick things. Uh, Van City Villa wants the vampire ad soon. Yeah. And Morbito wants us to play some George Michael for some weird reason. He's a big George Michael fan, but maybe it's because he has faith that the Whitecaps are going to come back and do well this year. <laughs> but talking about music that we're playing, it's time for my favourite section of the show. It's wavelength time. And we're, we're quite up to date this, with this one. We're going back to 2011. A song from great English band called Art Brute. Fantastic lead singer in Eddie Argos. Check them out if you haven't. Seen them live a lot of times. This is from their fourth album, Brilliant Tragic. And it's a story about school days. Unrequited love, playing five-a-side football. And the fact that sometimes when you go to school, all you learn about is stuff like football. So this is Art Brute with Martin Kemp Welsh, Five-a-Side Football Rules. We heard the wonderful Art Brute with their song Martin Kemp Welsh Five-A-Side Football Rules from the 2011 album Brilliant Tragic. Got a tweet from Jay Duke there saying that was the best wavelength song so far, but then qualified by saying that's not saying very much. <laughs> well, we've got another Art Brute song coming up in a few weeks' time called St. Pauli, so that's one for my German friend to my left here. So a few more things to talk about just before we wrap up this episode of the show. I want to talk about WFC2 briefly. They had a, a fighting 2 all draw against OKC Energy on Saturday up at Thunderbird. Biggest crowd of the season at Thunderbird. Yeah. 700? 729. And it, it did look a good crowd, so 
they had a special event for some of the local residents as well, which I do feel they should try and tap into the students and the local residents up there just a bit more to try and get them out. Yeah, if you want to do that, just say you've got free beer. They'll, yeah. Everybody will come become me then. But it, it, was a, it was a good performance. They fought back twice. They survived the last 13 minutes going down to 10 men with Dominic Zater sent off. Meyer Bevan made his debut for the team, looked quite lively. So they're at home this coming Saturday. Canada Day spectacular. Langley massive. Langley will be out in force. And I don't know if they're putting on any Canada Day celebrations. They've not actually said anything yet. Hopefully they do. I don't know. Now, the, what a giant cake. I'm sure, the, they, I'm sure they will. I don't think... You, what time is the game again? It's a three o'clock kickoff. Yeah, they won't have fireworks because that's too, <laughs> the, yeah. too no. bright. I, I'm point. going for a 15-0 Whitecaps victory to tie in with the 150 celebrations. Mm, I was the, initially going to go with 150-0 and then I thought that's not realistic. <laughs> no. Let's go with 15-0 instead. What time is it? The the couch, the couch ultras uh, who live are in Langley are going to make it out to the game. Yeah, we want to give a shout out to them. The couch ultras, give them a follow on Twitter. They're going to try and set up a supporter section in the stand. Yeah. So get along, join them, get some songs going. You also have the residency. Yes. Now a residency week is kind of now expanding to a residency ten or eleven days because I kind of I put it on hiatus for three days because it's just been so busy this weekend trying to fit everything in that we've had to do all the matches we've gone to. So we're starting that up again on Monday. And two big playoff games. Both the 16s and the 18s, their fate is in their own hands. Comfortable wins or just wins, really, in their final games on Monday, and they're going to be through to the the playoff stages. But they're playing the the I think think the U16s are definitely playing their toughest opponent. They're playing the LA Galaxy, who did lose 4-2 against Houston. Yeah. So well, I mean, depending on depending on who is that the real score or is that the score in the feed? Is that yeah? Like, I thought it was two all. I was tweeting yeah. out about that because that's what my <laughs> that's what the stream said. If you can't trust the stream, what can you trust? I don't know. And then the 18s are playing. Now they're in for a tough one. They're playing no. the the fourth ranked overall Real Salt Lake Arizona. Yeah, and they've lost to them recently in the past. But both the 16s and the 18s top the groups. Yeah. If they if they win with the golden difference that they've got from their their opening wins. They're going to both go through. And this would be the first time that both teams have gone through to the last eight in the knockout stages, which would be phenomenal for the program. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think like I said, they have a chance. Um, like, like we talked about last week, you don't know because none of these guys play each other that often. So you can't really compare and contrast. So when you have a, a, a team not pl- like coming from different areas, when they show up in the same tournament, anything can happen and they can pull it. Like you said... Who thought LA was going to lose to Houston? Yeah. Or two, especially. So this could be like a, a, something that maybe LA is not as good. Maybe yeah, they have players White going. Whitecats beat Houston 3 0. So. Yeah. And maybe LA's got players going uh, going to college or they're not with the team anymore. Anything could injuries, anything could be possible. So what we're really hoping for, apart from both teams advancing, is maybe a, another home playoff game because the couple we've had so far has been good. Oh, yeah. Just really hope that it ends up being a nighttime mm-hmm. game because I'm working that week during the day and I'm not going to be able to make it along. That uh, that home game in Bellingham versus Paris Saint-Germain from Chicago. That was, yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> while, while, while Germany was spanking Brazil at the World Cup. That, yeah. was, that was a good day. That, 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 well, that game was so... like We lost 2-1, right? Yeah, because the, so the Whitecaps tried to play football and those guys were playing basically the other football with a soccer <laughs> ball because they were just lobbing it over the top and getting people to run at it. Yeah. That's all oh. they were doing the whole game. How dare they want to play football? And the last thing to talk about this week is TSS Rovers. I was at doing the commentary at the game tonight. 
managed to keep my voice between wrestling and, and being that, doing that commentary this evening. Fantastic 3-1 win. No, no at half-time. 3-1 over Victoria Highlanders. No, no at half-time. Daniel Davidson came on as a sub. Matteo Polisi came on as a sub. Three goals came from those two guys, a pair of them from Polisi. And Matteo Polisi, a guy that came through the residency programme, went to Europe, ended up, actually, his youth career with Timbers residency. Yeah. Um, but he's going to be joining SFU next year to play with his brother Marcello. So great to see that. 3-1 win for TSS, as I said. Puts him ahead in goal difference in the Juan de Fuca plate standings. If you can get to Victoria for the deciding game on Sunday, July 9th, head along there. It's going to be fantastic. What time, what time's kick-off again? It's 2 or 3 o'clock. Yeah. It's a, definitely an afternoon one. It, it, was a, it was a great... Ex- I didn't get the chance to watch the first half, but the second half was so exciting. First half was quite boring, yeah, actually. Yeah, well, <laughs> good thing I didn't catch it then. Uh, but the one thing about Polisi is, um, the, if not for his knee injuries... He would be um, highly, yeah. highly rated. He was like a lot of people. All the coaches I talked to in residency were, were thinking if he was just healthy, he would be one of the best players on the Whitecaps residency team. So it, it, hopefully he can turn this around and be one of those late bloomers that nobody expected to be and be a big player for Canada or whoever else he plays for. He's, he's dyed his hair blonde as well, following in the footsteps of Montero yeah. and Hurtado, but actually scoring. So that's, uh, that's a good thing. I know the result uh, wasn't positive, but uh, shout out to Swan Guardians and their uh, <laughs> their donor uh, on for, on Friday night for the little smoke, little flares. Little banner. It was a good time. It was fantastic. And sadly, the stream missed it because they had technical difficulties and it oh. shut down and they missed the, the thing. But you can get your photos up on AFTN. Anyway, that is it for this episode of the show. Thank you so much for listening as always. And just before we go, gents, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. <laughs> on Twitter, it's at ZacharyAM and I'm a part of the movement Curva Collective. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, aftn.ca. I'm also the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so check my stuff out on that. And this podcast is brought to you in conjunction with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for all your local, national and international news and links. Visit bcsoccerweb.com every morning and get all the news you need to know. We've got a lot coming up on AFTN this week. We're finishing up residency week. We're going to have Steve's ones to watch for the under-16s and under-18s. So check that out. And just, we hopefully will have another podcast coming out towards the end of the week. A preview game for the, a preview podcast for the Chicago game. So until then, as always, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.